Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you'll find several speaker feeds with over 400 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to help keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker tonight, Maria. Hi, everybody. My name is Maria, recovering compulsive overeater and bulimic. Hi, Maria. And then just to the timekeeper, what notifications do you... Okay. When is it? ten after. A ten after. Okay. All right. Great. Okay. Uh, thank you so much, timekeeper. All right. They told me not to curse while I'm up here. <laughs> I'm from the Bronx, so really, I'm going to really struggle with that one. Hopefully, I won't be dropping an F-bomb on you, but I'm going to try not to. <laughs> and, and be gracious and act like a lady, like my sponsor tells me. Um, okay, so um, for people people who don't know me, uh, I've been in recovery now. I, I got an abstinent on October 3rd, 1992, so I've been in program a little bit of time. I almost relapsed once, and I'm going to talk about that. And I just want to say to someone, if you're sitting out there and you say, well, that girl looks like she's normal weight. There's no way she knows what it's like to be heavy and and how difficult it is. Well, I came in here probably about 50 or 60 pounds heavier than I am now. And um, you'll find out when you hear from my story that uh, I know exactly what it's like. And that it's people will say things to me like, you know, I just can't picture you fat. And then I show them pictures, and they're like, Oh, so if you're thinking she doesn't understand, I understand. Um, you know, I, I when I first came into OA, I used to spend a lot of time wondering, was it the chicken or the egg? Was I born a compulsive overeater or was I made a compulsive overeater? And it doesn't really matter that much to me anymore. I just know that I am a compulsive overeater. From the time I was very young, I was very fascinated with food. Food really fascinated me. I remember my mother cooking something in the oven, and I, I just, I just, it was like the dawn of time when it came out of the oven. I was just fascinated. I couldn't wait for it, and I had a real, um, a, a real kind of preoccupation with food and eating. Um, I grew up in a very difficult situation, and I, it's a little bit hard for me to talk about actually, and. Um, my parents, God bless them, are just, um, they had their own set of difficulties and addictions and, and you know, ad infinitum. And um, essentially, when I was five years old, I was kind of like, it was kind of like, okay, Maria, you're on your own, you know. And um, I grew up in a fantasy land. My, my teachers about life were uh, television and books. And the problem with that was that my life looked nothing like television or books. And I, I was given this information that I was going to, you know, everything was going to be wrapped up within 30 minutes and a few commercials. <laughs> and, you know, everything would be great. And, and my life just didn't, didn't look that way. <clears throat> I went through some things and, as a child, about eight, and um, I gained some weight. Yeah, I got I got heavy about the time I was nine years old in the third grade at school, and I became a social pariah at school. I was uh, ostracized, I was excluded, I was made fun of, I was bullied, and the reason I'm talking about that today uh, in a in an OA meeting is not for self pity, is not for sympathy. 
but to let you know that in my recovery, when I do my step work, most of the time when I'm tracing back a character defect, it emanates from that time period. It comes from developing ways of behavior to defend myself and protect myself that I established at that age so that I could survive. Um, the kids back in the Bronx were not gentle. They were not loving. They were not kind. Uh, God bless them. But I had an enormously difficult, difficult time. And the world became my enemy. It became a place that I had to fear. And the only safe place for me was in front of the television with food. And um, it, was, it was a difficult life. You know, I, I went to school. I was bullied. There were these horrible girls that used to kind of chase my friend and I on the way home and threaten to beat us up. They never actually beat us up, but they would always threaten it. And then um, I would spend a little time at my neighbor's house eating food and watching television. And then by 6, I was home, and um, I would argue a lot and had a, a very antagonistic relationship with my brother. Um, and and so it, it was unpleasant, just just very very unpleasant. And I I came into young adulthood completely insecure, with no tools as to how to handle life, and um, just just no self esteem at all. And certainly, um, I I did think a lot about spiritual ideas. I did think a lot about religion at the time. I thought a lot about God, and I and I questioned God a lot and searched for God. And I and I remember going to my uh, my mother and and talking to her about a religion and asking to be inducted into the religion and going through the, pr- the processes for that. And um, but I, I I think always my goal was to be perfect. And I've even had to watch out for this in my recovery, that I just wanted to get to this place where I would be absolutely perfect. And I always struggled to be perfect. And um, I got to junior high, and I was heavier than most of my classmates, and I began restricting in order to manipulate uh, my body and, and get the kind of, you know, physical appearance that I wanted. And uh, most of my thoughts were about when I get the right clothes, when I have the right labels on my clothes, and when I get to the right size, everything's going to kind of be perfect. And every day I woke up and I thought a lot about what I ate, what I was going to eat, what I ate yesterday, uh, and what it, what it was going to be like when I got to the right size. And um, that's kind of how I lived my life. I went uh, into high school and um, I, I was always trying to restrict and then I would binge and then I would restrict and then I would binge. I found bulimia, um, and I hate I hate vomiting. I really hate it. I, when I get sick now, and I have to, I guess uh, you know it happens. I, I just loathe it. But um, I forced myself to do it to get the results, and um, it was a really really difficult, um, desolate, painful time in my life. Uh, compulsive eating. It was it was horrific for me, and I was very suicidal. I thought a lot about killing myself. And uh, what ultimately ended up happening was that I went away um, to college, and I, I bottomed out another program. And while I was in treatment for that program, um, I hit a whole new level of, of a bottom with food. Um, while I was in treatment there, I actually gained 25 pounds in a five-week period, which, you know, only the OA understands how gifted we are in that category. I um, You know, they had really heavy food because most people came in emaciated. You know, they'd been in their addiction and not eating. Well, that wasn't me. And uh, 
I, I got really friendly with the chef, and they would be like, oh, could you help us, you know, prepare the dessert? And I was like, absolutely. And, and I gained 25 pounds in a five-week time period. And, and I, I, ne- I can always remember so clearly, you know, we'd be eating dinner, and they would put uh, the dessert out on a table. And, you know, everybody would go up, they'd get one, and they would go back and sit down. And I would go up and get one, and i go back and sit down. And then I would get up and go and get another and go back and sit down. And then I would go up and get another and go back and sit down. And then talk about a walk of shame. That third trip was so, it was humiliating for me to go and get it. But I couldn't not go and get it. I couldn't not. And, and it's interesting, like, my obsessive mind with food is that people would be sitting there talking to me, and all I'd be thinking about was, can I get the dessert? If I eat the dessert now, uh, will they notice? If How about can I get it and somehow take it home and eat it at home? How can I get it, take it home, and get away from them so I can eat it at home? You know, there was this whole calculation system going on, and being present, being in the moment, being with the person I was with just never seemed to, like, come across my mind. So, um, you know, it's, uh, I was really sick. And um, when I got out of that treatment facility, I heard about OA in that treatment facility, and I heard that they suggested you eat three meals a day. And so I, um, I started that the day I got out of that treatment facility. And I soon after started going to OA meetings, and I found some OA meetings in, um, in New York. Uh, and I really loved OA from the minute I came in. I was, I was astounded that there was a place for people like me. I was astounded. Um, I, I remembered, you know, I remember I used to be, because I watched so much television, right, I would sit and I'd watch these commercials come on with people talking about, you know, how they got into treatment for, like, bad drug abuse and how they would do anything to get drugs. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, my God, I'm, I'm like that, except I'm that way with food. So I, um, I was so relieved to come in and, and find out about OA. Hold on one second. I heard people share about about their relationship with food and um, how they ate food and how they thought about food and I and I was just really relieved. To me, OA was an oasis in the desert. And I got a I got a sponsor and I started doing service. I think I got a sponsee within like six months of being in the program. And there wasn't a lot of people with time and um, I I just did what they told me to do. Um, and I, I ended up going back to school. I switched actually to a better college. I graduated from there, and I took what I learned in the rooms about how to do school. Like, I sat in the front. I showed up no matter what. I never missed a class. Um, I, you know, came early. I stayed late. You know, I did everything that I learned in here, and I was able to get out of there successfully. Um, I just want to talk for a minute about a few of the things I've been through in uh, in OA because I think it's really interesting. I think we all know how to be compulsive with food and have a miserable life. Like that's what you know. I think any of us could write that book. And um, to me, I'm when I come to a meeting, I always want to hear about like what are you doing now? What's going on with your recovery now? Like what are you struggling with now? And how the heck are you getting through it? Because some days like recovery is really a challenge. And one of the things I encountered early on was, like, my very first relationship breakup. Boy, did that kick my butt. Um, I, I, what started to happen to me, I remember it was at school. I was at, at this university in New York. And uh, my lunch hours began to go, go from 20 to 30 minutes to an hour to an hour and a half. And what I was doing was I got, um, I would start to go from one restaurant to another to get the perfect lunch. 
I would go to like four different places because I had to get the perfect lunch. And I started to realize it was taking me an hour and a half to figure out what I was going to have for lunch, never mind sit down and eat it. And um, I went through just a really difficult time, and I had to start turning over my food, and I had to start packing all my food. And so I um, had to start packing and preparing and bringing my lunch, and it gave me a lot of sanity to do that. Um, I would just call in my food and turn it over, and because I had my lunch with me, there went the hour and a half hunting every, you know, every food facility on campus uh, and, and bring my lunch in. And I, I have to say, too, it was a very difficult spiritual thing to accept uh, things going the way I didn't want them to go. And, you know, I want to talk a little bit more about that now, but um, uh, about how that's working my life now. Uh, but I just want to say that that was a very difficult period. Um, I ended up moving to San Francisco and then down here to California, and I'm so grateful for Los Angeles. The OA that we have here in, in our area is, like, top-notch. I'm so grateful for the meetings. I'm grateful for the strength of the recovery that I find here. Uh, truly, we're not able to do this on our own, and I'm so dependent upon um, the people that I that are in my life in this program, and then also my higher power and and my sponsor, who's been you know just a crucial person in my in my recovery. Um, I I was here about two years, and uh, the sponsor I had my the sponsor that I have now I had then it wasn't I, I decided like maybe it wasn't going to work out, and I try another sponsor, and um, I was going to like a meeting a week, and I almost relapsed. And what what first happened was I got really restrictive with my food, and then I swung to the upper uh, opposite end of the spectrum, and I started to eat like kind of whatever I felt like, and the kind of whatever I felt like abstinence did not work for me. Um, and so uh, I, I didn't, I didn't, I, I just want to talk about this for a second because I know people relapse in this program and I almost, I almost lost my abstinence. I started to gain weight. I, I think I went, up, I went up about 15 pounds and my meals got really big and um, I, I was really just powerless again. I was really feeling powerless again. And I had to go back to kind of the basics of this program, were, which was, did I have a home group? Did I have a sponsor? Was I doing service? What step was I on? And get back to the basics of, uh, you know, getting centered so that I could have sanity around my food and my abstinence. And I'm really humble about that today, the fact that it doesn't matter how long I've been in this program, I've really got to stay humble about the fact that the food to me is bigger, better, and smarter. And I'm defenseless against it without the aid of my higher power and a connection to this program and my higher power. I'm really clear about that. Um, uh, when I think I've got it handled, I don't need to plan carefully. I'm just going to wing it. Uh, that's when I kind of get into a lot of challenges with my food. Um, you know, I, last week I was going through uh, some challenges. My, um, I, my, my, my mother was in town, and um, it's, it's enough to be powerless over your own disease, but I worry a lot about her. I think she has this disease, and she's got type 2 diabetes as well. So it's, it's a really difficult situation. After she left, I was very upset. I was just feeling uh, emotionally distraught, and um, I, ha I had to go pick up dinner. So I was emotionally upset. I'm extraordinarily tired, and I was at this place that had, like, different hot foods that you can choose from. And I immediately went for this thing that it's okay sometimes, but it wasn't what I had planned. And I really had to just take a minute there and pause and 
to me, that's how this disease is cunning, baffling, and powerful. Because it sent me right to that food that was kind of a little uncomfortable. And I thought to myself, you know, I'm not really in a good place right now. And maybe that will be okay next week, that food. But it wasn't what I planned, and I'm going to feel weird after I eat it. So I'm just not going to eat it at this next meal. It's that simple. Like, I'm just not going to have it at this next meal. Doesn't mean I'm never going to have it. Doesn't mean I won't have it next week. But at this next meal, I'm not eating it because it's not comfortable. And I stuck with what I had had in mind. And I'm so grateful I did that because after I ate the meal, I thought, wow, man, that's one situation where, whoo, I almost got a little on that slippery slide about what's clear for me and what's not. Um, I want to read for a second. Um, this is from the our favorite friend, the OA, OA Steps in Traditions book. This one just has the steps. This one's on the third step, and um, this one has a lot. I'm going to read just an excerpt from that, because as far as what's going on with my recovery right now and what I'm doing to help myself, this to me is very powerful. Um, it's on page 24 if you ever want to refer to this again. This abstinent way of life continues on a daily basis so long as we continue to trust a higher power with our lives, renewing our step three commitment daily. Inexperienced in this way of living, many of us have asked, how do I reach this decision to turn my will and life over to a higher power? What exactly do I have to do? It helps to understand that once we make this decision, our approach to all choices will be like our approach to our food and eating choices. We will no longer simply do what we feel like doing or what we think we can get away with. Instead, we will earnestly seek to learn God's will for us. Then we will act accordingly. We give up fear and indecision, knowing that if we are sincere, our higher higher power will give us the knowledge of our best course in life, along with the willingness and ability to follow that course, even when it seems difficult and uncomfortable. In learning God's will, we may again refer to our experience, knowledge, common sense, intuition, and the wisdom of spiritual mentors. If something has repeatedly worked well for us or for someone else in a similar situation, we may assume it will work in our present situation, ultimately bringing good to us and to others, which is God's will. For instance, we might find from experience that when we're feeling unstable, going to OA meetings usually restores our sanity. Thus, we can assume it's God's will for us to keep attending meetings regularly, even when we don't feel like it. Or when we're in a group of people who are gossiping about someone we dislike, we might be inclined at first to join in with a few comments of our own. But we've learned from experience that gossip is not good for us, so we know it's God's will that we not take part in the damaging conversation. We need no burning bush and ethereal voice to tell us what God wants for us in most of our choices each day. Honesty, common sense, and a sincere willingness to follow our new spiritual path are sufficient to show us the way. When we face indecision, we remember the words of the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous. Here we ask God for inspiration, an intuitive thought, or a decision. We relax and take it easy. We don't struggle. We are often surprised how the right answers come after we have tried this for a while. What used to be the hunch or the occasional inspiration gradually becomes a working part of the mind. In making major decisions, of course, we will not assume that every thought which comes into our minds is inspired by God. When we're considering taking an unusual action, we will want to consult with a sponsor or spiritual guide. It is not this person's job to decide for us. No human can do that. But a person who is detached from our immediate situation and has some experience in this way of life can help us 
apply sound spiritual principles in learning our higher powers will for us. This, then, is how we will operate our lives. Once we have made the decision called for in step three, none of us can follow this way of life perfectly, but we find that our success in recovery and our freedom from food obsession are in direct proportion, excuse me, in direct, direct proportion to how sincerely we try to live in this manner. So that's kind of where I'm at right now in my recovery. Um, the, the, the reason I wanted to read this is because I wake up in the morning and I think, oh, God, ugh, another day. You know, this is how I wake up, right? So, yes, I would love to tell you when I wake up, you know, it's like one of those fairy tale figures where the birds land on my fingers and I'm singing sweet songs. But it's not like that. And a lot of night days, I swear to God, my disease is so strong. I have dreams. It brings up something. Nothing, nothing right now is wrong. It'll bring up something from 15 years ago. And reminds me. Remember how you screwed up that situation, Maria? Let's replay. Let's go back to the videotape. So uh, when I wake up in the morning, it, there's already like, an, uh, there's, it can slip towards a negative bank account. You know what I mean? Like it's already going that way. And I heard, this was actually from my grand sponsor. I heard her sharing about this. And she just said, she said it quite naturally, I wake up, there's a lot of negativity, and I go to meditation. And uh, I was, I remember hearing that and going, oh, my God, she wakes up negative also. And I think I felt a lot of shame that, you know, I'm in here a while. I should have got mastered this by now. I should not be experiencing this difficulty. I should be over this. I should be through it. I should be on the other side. I should, 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 right? And so what, what I seem to have heard when I came into OA, and this is one of the biggest mistakes I made, when it says here, um, it helps to understand that once we make this decision, decision, our approach to all choices will be like our approach to our food and eating choices. Somehow I heard, God, I'm going to turn over my food, but everything else is mine. <laughs> you don't get to touch my work life, my romance. I mean, no, no, no. I don't like what you've done with that in the past. So you can have my food, but everything else, I got it. And uh, that's what's been actually causing me the most pain in my in my recovery today, because I, I seem to forget. It says we renew our step three commitment daily, daily. Um, and it's really easy for me to turn my will, my life over when things are going the way I think they should. Um, you know, I've had some really. Um, for me, earth-shattering things come up in this program. Um, step nine has been amazingly powerful for me. I found out that one of my family members molested another. And I, I had to forgive this person for molesting the other person. And i got to tell you that when I found out, I wanted to murder this person. Murder. And I'm not, I'm not being melodramatic. I was insanely, insanely angry. And I had to sit with it for a very long time. And I was finally able to let go and forgive. And of my own accord, I am not capable of that level of spiritual alignment of my own accord. I had to really repeatedly talk about it to get to a place where I was ready to forgive this person. Because let me tell you, it was painful. It was very, very painful. And... What brought me to a place of peace around it was, um, you know, a lot of work, introspection, writing, talking about it, talking to people with more time than me, and also that knowledge that 
you know, this, this, this disease, this is like my mother disease of all the programs I'm in. This is the most challenging for me. Because if I don't address an issue today of what's going on in my life and something that's spiritually bothering me, it'll show up at breakfast. And that's, that's, the, that's the humdinger about this disease. And it must be that my higher power loves me very much and wants me in the front row. Because uh, if I don't take care of my stuff, it's going to show up in my food very, very quickly. And so despite the fact, uh, you know, as when I wake up in the morning, I want to do it the way I want to do it. I want to do it in my time frame. And I don't wake up, you know, always thinking, how can I be of service today? Um, I have to go and sit in meditation and say my prayers. As I'm saying my prayers, I start to remember that I'm in this recovered life. And I start to remember that I have a higher power. And I start to remember that I've learned a lot in the time that I've been here about a different way of living. And these little things that come up as I, you know, read the prayers and and just sit and and wait for the presence of my higher power to be something I can feel, uh, you know, that's a a new experience for me. That's, That's the big thing. Because at some point, for all of us, there's a time when it's we're alone with the food. And the only thing that's going to keep us away is that spiritual connection. And, and that's why it's become, you know, just really important to me. Um, the, and just the other thing I wanted to say is that my, my higher power is, has got a better plan most of the time than I do. You know what I mean? Or probably all of the time. Uh, I, I seem to think I, sh- I have an idea of how it should go. Um, I, you know, I, I think I, I complained for years about being single in this program, and I just finally met just a wonderful human being that I just, you know, love very dearly. And we got married, and um, she's a magnificent person. And beyond what I could have even thought of myself. And I remember, like, the people I dated and just shedding, you know, oceans of tears over the loss of those relationships. And I look back now and I think, oh, thank God. Man, I dodged some bullets, you know. Seriously. And the person that I have, I'm with today, I, I couldn't fathom that this kind of person could come into my life. I couldn't perceive of what this person would be like. I mean, it just... And so, um, you know, I, I try to remember that, that situation and that if that can happen, you know, wonderful, beautiful things can come into my life. And, um, and you know, I lean a lot on the literature and, and my sponsor who tells me things like, Maria, you're speaking at an OA meeting. These people laid out of the garbage. Don't be nervous, you know. <laughs> so she just is a voice of the sanity in the midst of my insanity. So on that happy thought, I'm going to end it there, and I want to thank you all for uh, being here today and sharing in my recovery. Thank you so much. So um, I was just asked, uh, I mentioned meditation, and were there any specific mantras or meditation practices that I used? Um, I really, um, you know, I've had very much a process with meditation, uh, and I find that I go through phases where one thing works for a while, and then I have to switch it up and, and try something else as well. Um, I will say that I did um, go to classes early on in my recovery at various facilities to get some better uh, ideas about how to do it. Um, but I think, I think, and especially for the newcomer, I just want to say, I think it's very important to just show up for meditation. 
and uh, develop a relationship that a relationship with a higher power is like any other relationship. You have to spend time with that being to develop the relationship. So um, I usually time myself for 10 minutes. I start out reading some prayers, and then I sit quietly and wait for the connection. And it is very difficult a lot of the time. I have a lot of noise going on in my head that I have to turn it, tune out, um, but I, I keep it pretty simple. Ah, okay. How do I bring uh, my step work into my relationships? Um, okay, great example. Um, uh, while mom was here, got a little angry. And um, after she left, I called her up and told her exactly how angry I was. And, um, and I got off the phone, and I, could, I felt awful. Felt awful. Really embarrassed. So um, I, called, um, a, a, I called a sponsor and someone else got clear on what I was going to say, and, um, you know, I did like a, a spot check inventory. Had I been selfish, self-seeking, dishonest, or afraid? The top, you know, four, as it says in the big book. And got really clear on that right away. I had been really um, afraid and uh, self-seeking, and I had to call her up, and as soon as I could, I didn't, when she got home from work, and I, and I apologized and humbled myself for, again, stepping in the same pile that I always step in. So I had to do that. I felt better after, but was sorry I did it. What is my abstinence? Okay, so we have just in a minute. <laughs> um, okay, so um, my abstinence has evolved over the years. It, when I came in initially, um, I had been eating. Um, I had been eating all day long when I first got into OA, and when I my first day abstinence, I started eating three meals a day, um, and I would have like a piece of fruit in between. Um, after that, I met um, like a fitness trainer that I worked with to iron out some um, other ideas of what might work for me. And so, I, essentially, I have three meals a day, but sometimes the, the meals, I break them up a little bit if I know that it's going to be a long day. And um, I, my abstinence is kind of based on, you mean that like that, or like food planish? Okay. is based on uh, counting kind of carbohydrate amounts and protein amounts as opposed to calories or fats. So it's, it's kind of, it has parameters, but it's got flexibility. Uh, I was told early on, like, uh, my food plan is like a, a, a playpen for a child, right? You can still play, but you got kind of walls so that you don't go out and get out and hurt yourself. So that, that helps me a lot. Okay, that's my time. Thank you so much for listening.